Hello, I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Katie Sewell. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. Now, on Monday's episode, episode number 424, Seeking Wonder, I spoke with our guest Andrea, who wrote the book Wonder Seeker, 52 Ways to Wake Up Your Creativity and Find Joy, about all the different ways that we could try to add a little wonder to our day-to-day lives. And one of the things that we discussed was the idea of hosting a story bowl party. In other words, a gathering of friends or family or even just another person who lives in your house and finding a way to tell each other stories that you might not tell otherwise. Now, I thought I'd break that down a little bit more by looking at that particular chapter of the book. It's idea number 38. She says, of course, the first thing to do is to figure out a place to host this party, a date and time, and then send out invitations to the people that you want to do it with, or simply do it with whoever you live with or whoever is coming over to take a walk or have a glass of wine. Then basically the idea is you fill a bowl with storytelling prompts and everyone pulls from that bowl and tells a story. The rules of the game, as she lays them out, each storyteller gets two to three minutes to share. If you want to, you could ring a bell when it's getting time to wrap up the story, or you could do what we do in the radio business and kind of just swirl your finger in the air, which means that, you know, wrap it up. And then the story that you tell is the first thing that comes to mind when you read the prompt. She says, if you find yourself saying when you read the prompt, oh no, I can't share that, that's the story everyone wants to hear. Or if you tell yourself, that's not an interesting enough story, that's the story we want to hear. She says also remember as part of the rules that this is not a performance. You're not trying to tell the best story in the entire room. This is just a practice of sharing, a place to connect with your friends, an opportunity to allow others to see you or get to know you better. And another rule is no crosstalk. You can ooh and ah and show other signs of engagement, but don't interrupt the person who's telling the story. She says also, sometimes a prompt falls flat. And what she means by that is, if you pull a prompt and you think, I can't think of a single story for that, you can pass it on. You can throw that prompt back in the bowl and take another. So you can come up with your own prompts, of course, or everybody that you invite over can throw in a a few prompts. But in her book, Wonder Seeker, she also has a page of prompts, prompts that you can just cut out and throw into a bowl. As an example, I thought that I would, at random, pick a couple of those prompts and see what stories come out. Now, this would be way more fun if there was one of you or three of you or six of you here. But since it is only me and a cat who does talk a lot but never says anything of great importance, I'm going to just demonstrate a few of these ideas for you. So I didn't cut them out because... I'm going to offer this book to one of you at the end of this episode. So I'm going to just close my eyes and run my finger along the page 
and stop at something, all right? So here we go. I'm opening the book. Here's the book. Running my finger along the page. One, two, three, stop. And the question is, or the prompt is, it's not usually a question, actually, in the way that she writes it. It's just a prompt, and it reads, the worst job. So, I mean, I could interpret that to be, what would I think the worst job in the world would be? Uh, Or I could just say, what is the worst job I ever had? Let me think about that. The worst, I'm going to go with the worst job I ever had. The worst job I ever had was a temp job. I had a lot of bad temp jobs, a lot. Not bad because the people weren't nice, but because they were tedious. I worked as a packer in a shipping warehouse. I've worked moving furniture for JCPenney's. I've worked at an information company that, as far as I could tell, sold wires to other companies. And I've worked for the government mostly as a person who organized files. But I'd have to say the worst job I ever had was one that just lasted over a Christmas vacation. I was a temp, and I was hired to work at a vacation rental timeshare company where my entire job for weeks upon weeks upon weeks was to go through every single file, pull out the credit card information, photocopy it, and stick it in a different place. I have no idea why I was doing this, but this was certainly one of those companies that did not seem wonderfully reputable. And I remember that while those of us who were gathered together around the table photocopying people's credit card information were having a pretty good time together listening to the radio, all of the people around us, the salespeople, had an air of being ingenuine. And that got really grating after a time. And what I'm talking about is this kind of thing. Imagine a man who's very mean. He's just harsh. He's not nice. When he does make a joke, it's kind of one of those biting jokes. He's got a really loud voice, so he kind of dominates the open-air office. He walks around like a big, glum, arrogant cloud. But then when the phone rings and someone's on the line who's thinking about maybe investing in a timeshare... He's immediately different. Oh, hi. Oh, so wonderful to see you. Uh, How's your dog? How's this? How's that? Oh, yes. Oh, God. Oh, exactly right. (laughs) You know, that sort of thing. And then as soon as he's off the phone, he's back to the glum cloud in the office. So that was probably my least favorite job of all time. And that may have been more than two to three minutes. So if I had a bell here, I would have rung it on myself. All right, I'll do another one. Let's see. All right, I got the book open. I'm running my finger along the page. One, two, three, four, five, stop. It says, something you used to know how to do. I used to do gymnastics when I was an elementary school kid. And if you know what a front walkover is, it's sort of like a front handspring, but you never completely leave the ground. You just sort of put your hands down and then you, over the top of your head goes one leg and then the other and then you stand back up. I used to be able to do that so easily, I could do it as if I was walking. So I could just be walking along and then I could go into like three walkovers and just stand back up and go on my merry way. (laughs) And sometimes that seems marvelous. 
particularly as I get older. That said, I could never in all of my time do the splits. All right, let's do one more. Running my finger up and down the page. One, two, three, four, five, stop. An animal encounter. I can play you this sound. I recorded this sound on my phone just yesterday. So I was walking along, just taking an hour-long walk like I usually do. I try to do at least five days a week. And I heard the sound of a bird that I could not identify. Now, I'm not a bird expert, but most of the birds in the Pacific Northwest, I'm familiar with enough that I probably know what it is if I hear it. And this sound I had not heard before. And so I stopped and I looked up into a tree. And unfortunately, I don't know what kind of hawk this is. And if you do, by the sound, you can write in and let me know. But the creature who was making a sound was some kind of a hawk. And I spotted it in the tree. And then I spotted another one. Two of them. Two hawks. Also in that tree were two crows. Everybody seemed a little bit tense and upset with each other. This is pretty typical, from my understanding, as a person who has done many features on crows. It's not unusual if you hear a mob of crows that they are anxious and drawing each other together because there's a hawk, there's an eagle, there's something that's not good or that's threatening that's in their area. But in this case, it was the hawk that was making the call. And the crows were reacting to that. And then I noticed something else. In that tree, very well blended in, was also an owl. And the owl was sitting on its own branch, holding a dead mouse in its talon. The mouse did not have a head, so it was in the process of being eaten when the hawk came on the scene. And the hawk is dive-bombing the owl. And the crows are also dive-bombing the hawk. It's a very chaotic scene. And at one point, the owl, who's been very still, but his head is swiveling back and forth, watching where the hawk is, the owl drops his mouse to the ground. It falls right by my feet. And then, no longer having his prize, and the hawk dive-bombing his head, the owl takes off. The two hawks go after them, and the two crows fly after them. So I don't know where the story goes from there, but that was a recent animal encounter. And if you want to hear the hawk and the crows, I'll play them right now. this weekend, you'll want to host a story bowl party of your own. Or like I said, so easy to do this with just whoever is in your home or at your next Zoom meetup. The prompts in the book Wonder Seeker are not questions. I've played this before with questions. Hers are more just suggestions of story topics. I'll read you a couple more. Something you found. A story of serendipity. A time when you should have said no. A celebrity sighting. Something you used to believe. The kindest thing anyone has ever done for you. 
and some are even more vague. A scandal. A stranger. Or even just two words, between worlds. What do you make of that? So that's one idea on how to seek wonder. Now, I told you that I would give you an opportunity to get your hands on this book. I have a copy. It's full of post-it notes, as you heard me just remove one. I'm going to remove them all. But I am, I have read this book, and I'm ready and willing to pass it on to someone else. Now, since I will be sending this book on my own dime, I am going to give this book to the first person who donates to the show, sending me a note saying you'd like to have the book Wonder Seeker. Please donate enough to cover the cost of shipping the book to you wherever you are. And if you can throw in a little bit more, that would be wonderful because this show is an artistic endeavor. It takes lots and lots of hours to create and we don't do it with any financial backing. So we essentially work for you for free because we love the sharing of ideas. We love the ongoing conversations. We love knowing you. We love seeing this community grow, but we are independent artists and we do do all of this work for free. So I really want to send this book to one of you. There are links to donate in the show notes. You can also go to thebittersweetlife.net and you'll find a way to become either a Patreon supporter or make a one-time or a monthly donation through PayPal. If you're a person who doesn't want to donate online, send me an email at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. That's bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. And I can give you an address to send a check. And I am looking forward to sending this book to one of you, no matter where you are in the world. For all the rest of you who don't get that donation in right away, unfortunately, I only have one copy. I do have brand new magnets for the show. I do have thank you note materials. I will send you a note of thanks in the mail, or Tiffany will. And just know that your money went to a good place and supported a product that you really love. For us, that actually does feel a little bit wonderful. <laughs> and until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell.